Hello and welcome to episode number 130 of Their Giants Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Roger Munter, and I am super excited to have back on the show uh, Baseball America's Josh Norris. Uh, Josh covers the giant system for Baseball America. He does all the write-ups for the Prospect Handbook. And as a special treat, he has recently uh, spent some time watching Eugene uh, go up against Spokane out in the Northwest League. Josh, how are you? Uh, where are you? Where are you in your baseball journeys today? I'm home. Um, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, I, you know, that's where I am most of the time. I think people think I travel a little more than I do, but there's like 10 or 12 teams within, you know, two hours of me. That's true. Maybe two and a half if you count Richmond. Like I haven't, don't, don't have to leave very often. And frankly, the Eugene trip was, you know, I get to see the Giants affiliates, but also if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I'm an Oregon alum. So I made that a bit of a working vacation to go see, um, the spring football game so kill two birds with one stone there very nice I, I like to get out to eugene later in the summer when it is hot as hell here in richmond just to get a, a break from the heat and it's always a nice trip for me um and i'll be going back in late august so perfect you well you got to see a pretty good series because uh you were there when eugene was going up against spokane which is a really good test for the the emeralds pitchers the spokane Team has a lot of good hitters on there. Most of the most of the really good Fresno team from last year is up there. Um, you got Jordan Beck, who was going crazy against them that week, actually, and made your hot list based uh, entirely on his uh, his his week against Eugene. Uh, so I guess uh, we'll we'll dive into these guys, and I'll just ask you kind of a broad question first. What was your general impression of uh, of the Eugene pitching staff's ability to compete uh, against a pretty good lineup? Well, I mean, the lineup was, a, I'll say the first, the lineup was with, without its best hitter. Sterling Thompson was out that series. Uh-huh. Not that it wasn't super formidable. The Eugene pitching staff, and I'll, and I'll caveat this by saying I only got half of it. I said to myself, I'm going to get, like I said, it was a working vacation. I'm going to get three games. Whoever pitchers I get, I get. Um, so I didn't get uh, the back three. I guess the back two since they're on a five-man rotation. They, they did okay. Um, there were some guys, you know, there was nobody who really blew my doors off. Ragsdale was pretty good. Um, you know, I have a little eyebrow raised toward him. Obviously, he's a little bit old for the level. He's going to turn 25 here, maybe today, um, in a few days, or at least. Um, but I know he's been through some stuff, obviously. And, you know, he doesn't move as quickly as, you know, I think he or anybody would like. But he did show some, you know, a good fastball, breaking ball combination. The fastball was really effective. I talked to some scouts in advance of this podcast. He said the fastball had good finish on it. And, you know, the breaking ball played pretty well off it. He might, you know, maybe a back-end kind of relievery guy. Um, Silva, he didn't pitch to the the numbers that he had coming in. I think it was kind of a, a, a I don't want to say a clunker of an outing, just kind of a vanilla outing. He didn't get crushed or anything, but, like, his slider, he only threw a couple good ones. And so they were just, he wasn't commanding it particularly well. They didn't blow the doors off with velocity. Um you know, those are the two starters that really stuck out. Lonsway didn't he, he had trouble. Um Hunter Dula out of the bullpen looked like another, you know, the giant system, for better or for worse, has a lot of potential relievers in it. Um mm-hmm. and Hunter Dula is one of them. He did a pretty good job coming in fastball breaking ball and just kind of blowing it by guys. Uh and then I think you mentioned in your show notes, and I'll hit touch on him, Jose Cruz. It was funny, I'm I'm sitting down there uh I went down a little lower because PK is a little high. <laughs> yeah. Um, angle wise, it's not great for video. So I went down and sat behind 
we're seeing, we, we have charting pitchers now again, after two or three years, you know, we haven't seen charting pitchers, but I was saying oh, wow. the, the um, Rockies charting pitchers and uh, Cruz broke off like a 92, 93 mile an hour, two seamer that, you know, fell off the table. And one of them turns to the other and goes, Ooh, that's yucky. And I, <laughs> I said to him, yeah, he's on the 40 man. Oh, I, I can see why. Um, yeah. He's, he's, you know, he's not, he's kind of Randy Rodriguez 2.0 and a guy yeah. who blew it up at, at San Jose and, because of the length of time it took him to get to San Jose became was need to go on the 40 man and did. And, you know, this year he's doing okay, I guess at, um, at Eugene, pretty, pretty decent, you know, nice two seams, uh, change up combo. I think there's a good breaking ball in there too. So it was a, it was an okay series for the Eugene Emerald that I got. Well, I want to dig a little deeper on a couple of these guys. And, and the first one I think um, I want to talk about is Silva. He had an interesting year last year in San Jose where scouts were really impressed with the stuff. The numbers didn't show as well. And I know uh, some Giants folks said he maybe had issues with sequencing and 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 this was something he was going to learn as he went along. This year, it's been kind of the reverse. The, the, the traditional numbers, the ERA, just run prevention has been good. Um, but we're not seeing a lot of strikeouts. We're not seeing stuff that is making hitters miss the way they did last year. What exactly is going on with the sort of quality of his repertoire? Um, I don't know if you saw him last year, but uh, nope. is it the same or is it kind of backed up or what's going on? with I, I didn't see him last year. You know, we have Kyle Glazer out in San Jose, so there's never right. really any reason for me to go out there. Um, he's not in San Jose, but you know what I mean? Um you know, there just wasn't any knockout in his arsenal. I'm just reading what a scout texted me here. He's going to have to uh, kind of really live off the slider, and he's going to live and die as that slider plays and maybe change eye levels with the fastball because he's not the biggest guy in the world, so he's not really an imposing right. figure on the mound. And he's not – he doesn't have the blow-away fastball, at least by today's standards. Um, so it's a kind of a tweener look a, a little bit. You know, I, I heard what you did, I'm sure – you read my reports on on the sequencing where like I think it was explained to me like he's really change up once that got a swing and miss, he just keep throwing it and with without any right. regard to sequencing. So, you know, like I said, it didn't really pitch to the numbers. I expected a little bit more out of him. He was one of my picks to click entering the year. Not that he was bad. He just wasn't, you know, guy. I think he came in with like a 0.75 ERA. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, all right, this is this is okay. He's he's surviving against a, a pretty good lineup you know besides thompson you had adiel amador yankeel fernandez jordan beck um uh, braxton fulford juan guerrero i mean there's there's some hitters there that can do yeah. some damage yeah last year he had a pretty good ride on the on the four seam up in the zone was able to get a lot of kind of swing and miss up there and then he'd use a two seam to to change eyes off the fastball uh but doesn't just doesn't seem like the four seam has the same life uh up in the zone from the few things i've seen on him on video this year yeah i mean that sounds about right it's just like i said there's no real knockout in that arsenal and that's what you're gonna you're gonna need at least one of those to, to be a rotation guy going forward and you might need him to be a big uh, uh, uh an impact reliever so yeah. we'll see. he's young he's athletic and we're in a day and age where there are a lot of problems that are solvable that you used to not be solvable there's True. very few issues that you cannot overcome developmentally these days is through the, the technology and the better you know access to data and coaching that we have so we'll see it's a long way to go 
so I saw Carson Ragsdale a couple of times in spring training and his stuff was pretty impressive. Um, but I only really saw him using two pitches in the spring, the fastball and the curve. Uh, I don't know if you, you got more than that when you were there. And, and I guess the follow-up to the question there is, is, is there a starter kind of path for him? If he's, you know, a guy with pitching with two good pitch, two good pitches, essentially. I mean, if path to a starter, you need a third pitch. You need a third pitch in some form or fashion. Um, but you know, it's, he's got, again, I'm reading the scout texts from this, but he's got the, got the ride on the fastball on it. He can spin the curveball. He also showed a, a change up in a cutter that are pretty good. Um, but you know, he's got, you know, a long, he's got a lot of dings and hickeys on his, in his developmental track record that are no really fault of his own. Like I said, he's, he's older for the level yeah. and probably should be in Richmond, uh, soon based on um, age and performance in that league. So he's got the pitch mix. It's just not going to be, you know, and I, I don't think I put him in the 30 because I was a little scared of the uh, injuries and all the time he's missed, but you know, you he's probably gonna go back into the 30 in the update. Um, you know, maybe if everything clicks a back end guy or like you do, like you said, use those two pitches and you become a knockout or, or some sort of reliever. Nothing, nothing crazy with them. Right. Yeah. One guy you didn't see, I don't believe, uh, is the 2021 second round pick, Matt Mikulski. Uh, but it doesn't seem like it's going very well for him uh, this year or any better than it did last year. I don't know if you talked to anybody uh, about him while Not you yet. were there. Not yeah. yet. But, you uh, know, it's funny. We have a, a thing on our site called Robo Scout right now. Yeah. And I mean, that's, a, that's a cute way of saying uh, our one of our colleagues, Dylan White, who we signed, uh, hired <laughs> this uh, this winter, uh, has used his formulas and access to data and whatever to kind of find the best and worst um, performing guys in the minor leagues. And he grades out as one of the worst performers um, yeah. in the giant system and at the level. Like I, I don't know what to, it, there were some red flags immediately with him. Yeah, I don't know what you do going forward, but uh, no, I did not get to see him. Hopefully I'll see him in August or if they move him to Richmond at some point at a different date. But no, it has not been great for Matt Mikulski. I was actually just uh, writing a little thing about the, the Robo Scout tool that you guys have on your site. Um, uh, and I noticed that Ragsdale actually graded out quite well on that. And Hunter Dula, who you mentioned, you know, not at the top, but he he's kind of in the mix in an interesting way. So the, his, shuff, his stuff is showing uh, pretty well there. I, I, I know you also didn't see Carson Wisenhunt, um, uh, but I'll, I'll ask if you've kind of had conversations with scouts about him. He's an interesting guy because he's, you know, guys with that profile, the college guy with a plus changeup, you just know they're going to dominate low A hitters, which he did. Um, and he's doing quite well in high A. I guess the, the question is, uh, is this kind of like, yeah, this is what we expected this guy to do, or is he, you know, doing something to kind of raise his profile with the scouts who are seeing him this year with this performance? Yes, he he is doing exactly what he's supposed to do with for a guy of that pedigree with that kind of school. Granted, he had one fewer year at school than you would expect, but uh, you know, a power five guy from a really good cop, not a power five guy, a, a D one guy, yeah, from a really really good. Uh, Pro uh, school of producing pros, um, and as you said, it's the plus or better. So you can probably get a lot of sevens on that changeup. But if you can do that, 
you can, you know, you know, do some surgery on low A guys and some high A guys, but frankly, for him, it's going to be the development of the breaking ball. Yeah. You know, he doesn't throw it a whole lot. He needs to throw it more. And if he can get it to, you know, average or better, then you probably have a starter. Um, you know, ceiling is like, you know, maybe a, a three or four starter. So that's a pretty, you know, I thought, I thought the way the Giants did their draft this year or last year was pretty risky. <laughs> Carson Wisenhunt after virtually nothing, nothing during the college season and a little bit of the Cape. Uh, and then obviously even less with Reggie Crawford, uh, just betting on upside. And so far, Wisenhunt looks pretty good. Sound like he looked pretty good in the fall league. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get him in the fall league. He had yeah. uh, COVID mm-hmm. um, in the first half. But uh, my colleague Jeff Pontus saw him and liked him. So it looks, it's, the early returns on Wisenhunt are pretty good. Yeah, and then actually we're starting to get some uh, some video coming out of Scottsdale of Reggie Crawford up on the mound. Yeah. yeah, so so that's that's good news and hitting. That's right. Back to hitting again. Um, I know they they look at him as a as pitcher first, so it's good to see him on the mound. Yeah, kudos um, kudos to the um the Giants and their PD staff for putting out all that really good video. Yeah, yeah, that is a really really useful tool. Uh, I'll ask one quick follow up on the Jose Cruz thing too. It's a, obviously international pitchers. They they historically have this this issue that they're Rule Five eligible when they're still pretty young and still pretty far back, and it's hard to carry those guys on the forty man. We've seen the Giants kind of burn through Kevin Castro, Gregory Santos, Randy Rodriguez is kind of so so uh, in Double A right now, and it's hard to use a 40 man option or uh, 40 man spot on some of these guys who are far away. Does he look like an arm that can move fast in a kind of Camilo Duvall path or even Gregory Santos, or is it going to be hard for him to get where he needs to be in his option clock? I think he'll be fine. Um, I think he should move relatively quickly. Like he, I mean, I haven't really looked at the numbers just yet on him, but what I saw was pretty good. Um, I mean, you, I wouldn't say he's going to be Camilo Duvall, by any right. stretch of the imagination, I wish I had been more loud on that guy when I got to see him in instructs or stand in spring training, wherever it was, some complex league setting a billion years ago. Um, but anyway, yeah, he could move pretty quickly, but you know, it's still it's relief only um with him. So it's 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 a fun one, but I think he he might have gotten popped in the rule five, so it's probably a good pick by the Giants to put him on the 40. Well, let's Turn to the hitting side of the equation. Um, the Eugene lineup has uh, a group of kind of top 20 prospects, top 10 prospects in the giant system who are all off to a little bit sluggish starts. And that's, of course, Grant McRae in center, Iverson Arteaga in short, and and Adrian Suguste, uh behind the plate. Um, both those last two are 20 years old. Um, Northwest League isn't always a great place to hit in April, but what did you kind of see from those guys' performances while you were there? I will say, too, that the the week I got in Eugene was about the best you're going to get. And, I mean, the the one of the games was 80 degrees. Yeah, that's... No, I'm sorry. That was the week before with the Ducks. But it was it was in the 50s, 40s at night, um, which is not terrible. And I'm sure any of you guys who listen to this podcast know the weird arrangement the Ducks and the Emeralds have. Yeah. If the Ducks are in town or needed to practice, it's 730. So, you know, later you get the colder it's going to get. 
So it's a little weird. It's certainly not like it was last year when you look like you saw like Kyle Harrison pitching in the middle of a you know a fog NATO. <laughs> guys like Marco Luciano out there, I'm sure just shivering his butt off. Uh, but that's a long way of saying, um, you know, there were ups and downs. Like I, <laughs> I saw the wrong three games of that series. It seems like everybody went off. Vaughn Brown <laughs> showed up as soon as I left. Um, McCray, he's a four-tool player right now. He's got he's got some skills in center field. He can run. He can throw. He's got some power. But you know, I'm reading the text here again. Like he finally got a better idea toward the later later part of the series and started doing some damage like like he could. But that hit tool needs to come around. I mean, he, at present, if he, if nothing gets better, he might have a career as like a, a fourth outfielder type. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe maybe if he gets better, you can t- talk about a you know, second division regular. But that the hit tool, like it is for so many players, is going to be the key. And mm-hmm. swings are really the key to the castle for him. He was, uh, when I saw him in spring, there was a fairly noticeable issue at the top of the strike zone for him. Him swinging through kind of fastballs at the belt and above the belt. Um, and strikeouts have been kind of the big driver of his, his low performance so far. Uh, is that something you saw from him too? Yeah, that's, that's about right. Um, it just wasn't a great series for him. Got some good swings, but he didn't do a whole lot in those three games. Um, you mentioned Arriaga. He's interesting. Um, he's obviously gotten stronger. There's you see some power in BP. Uh, the bat speed isn't huge, but there's strength there for sure. I was I was impressed with the look. He's clearly a top ten prospect in that system because he can play the position pretty well. Really yeah. did make one really uh, strange error um out there but you know the turf at eugene is the turf in eugene um so I, I i like him a bit you know i think like i said defensive value is there and there's more from the bat than you'd expect at, based on last year or he's gotten he's gotten better with the bat since last year mm-hmm. um sugasti you know there's there's some there's some intriguing signs there he can definitely catch and throw um the power needs to come. It really didn't. I didn't see a whole lot of raw power in BP, but you know he's he's okay. He's and he's also twenty. Like you said, he's got he's got some. He's got a little bit of a leash to go. He's interesting because I got really bullish kind of comments from some scouts on him when he was in rookie league, mm-hmm. uh, but he really hasn't just hasn't hit very much uh, since then in a ball. And he was dinged up a bit last year, and he is young, so you know there's plenty of time to improve. Uh, but uh, I think some of the higher guys on him uh, in in back in the ACL days expected maybe him to hit the ground running a little more than he has. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, it's, we say it a lot. Development just isn't linear. Yeah. Some of these guys, I mean, if you're how many 20 year olds do you know were developing done developing period, whether they're ball players or <laughs> the game of life? There's a lot to go. There's a lot of ways his career could go. You mentioned kind of the weird situation the the Emeralds have there. One of the aspects of that weirdness is that while the college season is still going, the Eugene team doesn't really have access to the facilities until pretty late in the day, as you say, given how much preparation is important and routine are important, you know, in this game. And certainly uh, the Giants take preparation really seriously. That's got to cause a lot of sort of, invisible issues for players development i would think doesn't it um, uh, it cannot help <laughs> that. 
Uh, there's a reason they're looking to get a new stadium, and it seems like they're on a pretty good track to get one. Um, because, you know, as as it is, like, you know, I, I was with one scout there, and he pulled the ripcord early on the series for a couple reasons. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about the teams getting the field around 5.30 and only one team taking batting practice. So one night it was Eugene, one night it was Spokane, and then the games end really late. Well, not as late anymore because we have the pitch clock. Right. But, um. It's it's not an ideal situation in any form or fashion. Like they, there are very few scenarios like that. Um, Durham out here, they split more or less with the Bulls. I'm sorry, Durham splits with Duke, and there's no real issues there. A because Duke has its own, I don't want to call it a stadium field. If there's a if there's an issue, but Durham is the the sole proprietor, so it's not like the Bulls are ever gonna get um, get the short shrift because Duke needs the field. This is the only one I could think of right now where the primary proprietor is the university. Right. Had it back in the day. I think Citadel shared the stadium with the River Dogs. I know VCU has the, the diamond too. They're getting a new uh, facility too, right? Yes, they are. Although Legendary. they they uh I know it actually got approved by the city council recently, but they but they pulled out of the VCU and and squirrels shared time. So it's only gonna be a, a squirrels facility, which I think is really good for them. Good, yes. I mean, and you know, it's I've been at BA uh, in, in August, it'll be 10 years, and we've been asking all that time, like when are the squirrels gonna get these stadiums? <laughs> well, every time I mentioned it to a scout or somebody, they're like, Really? Are you sure? Yeah, they had a press conference and everything, and you know, not to get too far on a tangent, but we're going to see a lot of new stadiums because yeah. it's either to pony up eight figures to uh, retrofit these stadiums to re- to to adhere to the new agreements or get a new one, and sometimes the cheaper option is getting a new one. Well, one of the funniest stories I think I ever heard about the Richmond situation is they've it's still called the Diamond. They've never sold the naming rights. And the reason for that is they always expected they were going to get a new stadium. So they they just never bothered to sell the naming rights because they didn't think they were going to be there for 11 years or whatever. Right. Um, but this is a good uh, segue. We'll move out of Eugene and, and to uh, some of the other affiliates. Uh, we're about a quarter of the way through the season now. I know you guys don't get probably serious about your midseason rankings for a while, but you're oh, having conversations. Really. Oh That's yeah, we're, we're um, we're, we're I mean these aren't midseason. These are, we're I'm starting this week, quarter you know we'll call it quarter poll uh, updates to the top thirties because if you look on our site there, you know I don't care which system you pick, there's going to be guys who should be moving up or down or guys who have graduated or guys who have injured or you know yada yada. So uh, I would say our tentative plan is I think it's June seventh we're going to update each team's top thirties. Well, outstanding. Then that you have asked my next question for me, which is what who are the who are the risers in this? You know, we'll talk risers and fallers, but we, <laughs> we like the positive. So I'm going to ask about the risers. Who's starting to percolate uh, in the calls you're having? <laughs> well, I haven't started making a whole lot of calls yet. Um, but, you know, we, we touched on Wizenhunt earlier. Um, O'Neill Perez is a guy yeah. who showed up in in uh, Robo Scout. In the reviews that I've gotten on him aren't, you know, as loud as the numbers, but he's a guy who could probably move into the top 30. He can catch and throw a little bit. I mean, I've got here sub two pop time. Um, you can, you can definitely, it sounds like he's a big league catcher who might hit a little bit. So you, you might be looking at a, a similar idea to Sagasti. Yeah. Um, Kempner, good stuff in San Jose, probably still a reliever based on the delivery and all that stuff. Um, Jose Ramos is a guy. There's a, you know, there are many Jose Ramoses in the minor leagues. 
Um, you know, we, there's a talk about skipping the ACL and going straight to low A. Well, he did do two years in the DSL, so I don't know mm-hmm. if that translates. But there's he's he's kind of interesting, and you know, there's it's kind of a wait and see sort of thing on him on how he'll do against the Eugenes of the world, like the Eugenes <laughs> Northwest leagues and uh, above. Um, I think that's really it for like big time risers in the system. What about Hayden Birdsong? I know he was in your top 30 uh, in the winter, but the, at the tail end, he seems to be getting a, a decent amount of buzz. I, I honestly haven't done a whole lot of uh, reviews on him just yet, but yeah, he throws really hard. There's some good stuff about him. Um, I'd like to see him move up a little bit. So, uh, um, so like I said, there's a lot of relievers in this system. One guy who I forget where he was in the handbook, um, but I think it was fairly low who the giants uh, have been uh, consistently very high on uh, of course is Patrick Bailey. And they, they sent him to double a this year and then very quickly after a hot start have moved him up to triple a um, love the defensive side of his game where is is he going to be one of the risers do you think in in a, a new 30 i i don't think so like i still don't know what to do with it and i'll i'll give you a little inside baseball here this is a tricky system to get to scouts with because you know if i say oh i've got a giants coverage a lot of times that means i have san jose sacramento and right. Eugene, and someone else has richmond because that is a, a pain in the butt uh for one scout to do it's so we're gonna, I'll, I'll get to him later but it's good to see him bouncing back for sure you know it was always during the handbook process it was like yeah this guy didn't have a great year and he's had a, kind of a checkered track record but don't give up on him there is big league defensive value there still questions about the bat it was good to see him you know put the health issues in the rear view and produce at richmond oh you know yeah, yeah, Th- that would be a, a guy who I think he probably holds steady more than anything. But I don't know if this guy would be considered a riser, but I'm really happy to see Luis Matos back on track. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, after that boffo uh, 2021 in San Jose and then the, the checkered year that was in Eugene, you know, with the injury and kind of the – it sounded like he went too far to the passive side with the approach. And just kind of got himself into bad counts and led to bad contact and all that. Um, it looks like he's he's doing what he's supposed to do in, yeah. you know, in Eugene. He's he's crushing. Now, it seems, it feels like he should be a lot older than he is right now, but he's not. He's like 21. He's a young that. 21, too. He's yeah. Like turned yeah. in January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is he's a classic post-hype prospect. Um you know, he'll probably yeah. jump up. A little, I, mean, I don't know how I'm going to shuffle McCray, him, and Matos right now. All right, but he, McCray, him, and Brown right now, because right. obviously Brown just got back. Um, still mad that got him, <laughs> <laughs> that he didn't, it was in Eugene. Um, but I'll, I'll have plenty of time to go see him in Richmond. I hope um, I will see him tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Um, so those three are kind of going to be all in the same bucket, I think. Um, I don't see any huge risers in the system, like, and you don't want to do too many, too many crazy jumps early in the year because it is, after all, right. the quarter pole. Right. You know, there's some guys. That normally, you know, if you're a team that has a Midwest League affiliate, well, your hitters are probably freezing. Um, yeah. like, but last year, I, I do the Yankee system as well, and at this time last year, I wasn't even bothering to talk to many people about hitters because most of their places are in cold weather affiliates. Like, okay, well, wait for them to be able to feel their hands. Shoot, yeah. the Midwest League even got Ellie De La Cruz last year. 
Yeah, Montas has been really impressive to watch too. I've been very happy to see that. You know, last year, like you say, you, when you looked at him early in the year, he looked he looked tentative. He's trying to fix his approach. He just looked tentative up there. He looks like he has he knows what he's trying to do at the plate now. He's he's not chasing after breaking balls early in the count. He's hunting pitches. He can do some damage with. It's been really fun to watch him. And of course, he's looking at his numbers really right now. I mean, more walks than strikeouts. Yeah. Twelve strikeouts and 133 plate appearances. Uh, I'm not great at math, but I have like, access to a computer. You're telling me that's a nine percent strikeout rate. Um, okay, so I will ask the flip side: Are there anybody anybody you're getting reports on that are making them fall down uh, the system? No, so and, and again, I I will give you the caveat that I am extremely early in the process right now. Um, but there's there's no really guys that I would kill just yet it's kind of a vanilla system to begin with outside of the top. Like I, I don't, I'm certainly not going to kill Luciano. I know his, he just got back fairly recently. Yeah. Hasn't gone the, the great for him in Richmond. Even Harrison has been like, you know, he had a rough start of the year, but it was always, I think with Harrison going to be an issue of command. This wasn't going to be a guy who was going to shoot through AAA and go immediately to the big leagues. I've said it on podcast before. There's a fine line he has to ride between the deception in his delivery and the command problems that delivery creates. Yeah, especially arm side away and up. I I was so excited. I finally, uh, after several years of of trying to see this, got my first Luciano home run um, two weeks ago uh, in his second game, Uh, and it was it was worth waiting for. It was plus his batting his uh, batting practice is just uh, is something to behold. I I remember. I'll tell you, give two silly Luciano stories. One, I remember I booked a trip to the Northwest League to go see him, uh, among other people, for the Salem-Kaiser playoffs and let, last part of the season. Within, I want to say, two hours of clicking purchase on that ticket, he landed on the IL. <laughs> and then um, in the Fall League a couple of years ago, obviously this guy's name is Marco Luciano. Well, I hear, I'm watching him take brown balls in, in the Fall League. You know, you have coaching staffs mixed up with guys from other affiliates. And they go... Marco Luciano, I thought it'd be a fat Italian. <laughs> like, right. He is not that. He is not that He's at not all. Either of those things. He has a very, very good body. Um, I okay. I, I'm I'm running down to my last few minutes. I want to end with a, a a question about Casey Schmidt, who's obviously had a, a pretty sensational first week uh, in the majors and gotten Giants fans very excited. Um, I remember last year when uh, you were doing the Giants chat you do uh, after their system come up, I, I had written in a question and said, do you think he's going to be in the top 100? And you said, ah, I think there's a good chance he's going to end up in the back end. He he didn't, uh, which is fine. There's the difference between 75 and 200 is, is not that great. But I did want to kind of dig in on what the what the concerns were from scouts uh, on him at that time uh, that, that might be, you know, areas for growth in him uh, as he goes forward. So that process, what we try to do is email as or, or you know whatever, send our preliminary list to as many executives, pro directors, scouts, whatever as possible, and collect the feedback. We've tweaked it a little bit this year, where we send whatever list we have at first, and then they then we make the tweaks based on what they said instead of arguing for three hours and then sending our our post argument list. But going back a second here, I couldn't believe it, but. They had questions about the defense, and that was very weird. But that is odd. Uh, 
And then there was one, there was a couple just about overall with the ceiling of the bat. Um, so both those things in concert um, made us kind of push him just on the cusp of, of it being out. I will say this with a wink. Keep your eyes out. For you know, Guys, keep graduating. Keep your eyes out. Joey Weimer uh, has about 14 at-bats to go before he graduates. I, I know there are some fans who always say, well, he didn't make the top 100. What are you, what are you doing? But uh, one thing Kyle Glazer always says is uh, from his, his, his research, there's about 110 future all-stars in the minor leagues at any given time. Uh, so it's, it's no great. Uh, I mean, you can put uh, an asterisk on criticism. that too because there's like 80 all-stars every year because guys yeah. bounce out. I don't really put a whole lot of stock into some of those all-stars. <laughs> but what it is, um, you know, I, I get what he's saying. There's, and I'll, I'll kind of give it a corollary to the hot sheet, which is like, hey, what did such and such guy make a hot sheet? Well, there's 20 spots and more than 20 guys had good weeks. Yep. Pretty much it. Which is a good time to give a plug to the hot sheet, which is one of my favorite features at Baseball America to kind of keep up with. You know what is going on all around the minors and who's popping each given week. Um, I, I say this all the time: people who don't have subscriptions to Baseball America, they're not really interested in prospects because you are the Bible when it comes to following prospects. Um, and I definitely look forward to the the, the quarter poll rerankings you guys are going to do in June. You're telling me, um, Josh. I can't thank you enough for taking a little time out of your day to to talk some Giants prospects. Are there any other uh, interesting tidbits we should be looking forward to coming from you? Um. Hmm. I would be smart to plug something, but I mean, <laughs> just keep watching us for for the for the top 100 updates. Uh, the like I said, like you said, the the top 30 updates. There's going to be another top 100, I believe, June 4th. Like, um, we do those every month, and then trade deadline coverage. You know, we'll have another updated 30s right before the trade deadline, um, and then all sorts of things. Who knows where, where we'll be popping up. Um, and then obviously our draft coverage is really, really good. Shout out Carlos, Carlos Palazzo, shout Carlos, out yeah. Clarity, shout out uh, Teddy Kale, all those guys who work on the draft. Um, I would just say, yeah, there's going to be a lot of good stuff at BA. I don't know what it's going to be, but it'll be good. <laughs> there always is good stuff at BA. World. I, I yeah. think we can always guarantee there's good stuff coming out. of. I, I would love to be able to like give you a sneak peek of who's going to be on the hot sheet this week, but <laughs> I don't see it yet. So <laughs> even I don't know yet. Well, before I go, I will smartly plug, plug my website and tell people if they're interested in Giants prospects to, to subscribe to theirgiants.com, which allows me to get out on the road and see as much baseball as I do. And I greatly appreciate it. I appreciate you, Josh, showing up. And I appreciate all the listeners uh, checking in to hear what we have to say. Thanks, everybody, for the great week. And so long. Thanks, Roger. Thanks, Roger.